This morning, we want to get into a brand new series called Passages. And that means we're going to be freewheeling through the Word of God. I love series, and they're usually very uh, topical and thematic as we walk through uh, various Christian subjects of the Word of God, and we study God's Word. But in this summer months, what we're going to do is we're going to be just studying random passages throughout the Scripture that God's put in my heart and other people's hearts. And this weekend, it's called uh, The Series of Passages. But we're going to look at Psalm 119. So if you have a copy of the Scripture, take your Bibles, open it to Psalm 119. It's the longest psalm, it's the longest chapter in the entire Bible. And you're like, well, did you set us up last weekend by having a really long service? Well, no, because I'm not, we're not going out. We went an hour and 50 minutes before the last person left last weekend. It was just amazing. Some of you are like, well, I left about 11.27, 11.28. We did give room for that to go pick up kids and stuff. But the truth is, many just stayed and worshipped and worshipped. Today, I want us to look at Psalm 119 and how powerful uh, this text is. Now, if you're familiar with Scripture, if you've read uh, the Word of God over the years, you're very familiar with this one. I've read it over and over this week. Read it again this morning just because I didn't want to miss it. I wanted to see if there was something that God, is, is there something I don't see here? But we're going to really focus on verse 11. But I'm going to be going through a lot of passages. So I just want you to turn to Psalm 119, take your pen out, be ready to circle some words, make some notes and say, Father, speak to my heart today. I, I want to understand this psalm. Um, I want to start with something in descending order. A lot of people talk to me about this, and they don't like to talk about it, but while people don't read the Bible, uh, reasons they have, excuses they have for not reading. And the fourth reason is this. The Bible is just not that interesting. And, and, and that, that's kind of amazing to me because I've spent my life reading and studying and preparing and, and, and every week and every day I'm continuing to study and study and you as a Christ follower you're studying but when somebody says the Bible's just not that interesting I would say they don't know what they're talking about what would you say what would you say church I, I would say they, they probably haven't spent any time in it they, they haven't read it they haven't had the word come alive to them the, the third reason is I just forget to pick it up and read the Bible I just forgot to pick it up uh, yeah, that, that's pretty lame. I mean, that's like going to school and the teacher says, hey, your paper's due, and you go, my dog. Hey, uh, y'all used to use that excuse too? I mean, it's amazing how many dogs ate uh, projects. Okay, here, here, here's the, the second reason. You know, I, I just, uh, I don't pick it up and read the Bible because I just don't understand it. Now, I think there could be some validity in that because I remember when I first started reading the Word, and especially in some translations we used to read a lot in those days. And when I'd read the old King James, and thou cometh now, hath to goeth, quicketh to seeth, cometh to whatever. And I'm like, huh? Or, you know, or if you, although I was discipling these guys one time, and this guy wanted to memorize out of the King James. And I, I said, hey, man, that's great. I still read some passages out of the uh, King James, but the truth is I really have enjoyed the, the uh, well, in some ways they're better, some ways they're not, but I enjoy the variety of translations. And let me give you the first reason. People, I, I say, why, why do you not read the Bible? He goes, I'm just simply too busy. And, and, and that's not true. I mean, the truth is, you and I will do what we want to do. And if you took about 15 minutes a day, every day, that would be half a television program of a 30-minute show. You could read through the entire Bible in 365 days at 15 minutes a day and that's just reading that's not studying that's not memorizing that's not meditating that's just simply reading it uh, 
The thing I did this past year here in 2012, and I'll never do it again, I felt like I was back at seminary, I read the entire Bible in 90 days. And that's kind of ramping it up. You know what I'm saying? And I, I don't encourage you to do that. But I encourage you just to read God's Word, to read it for yourself. I mean, you, you, you want to see, see my Bible here? I, I hope they get a close-up of that. Look, look at that. What does that look like? Looks like a, an art project. And, and, you know, and I have all these different Bibles, and I mark them, and I draw symbols, and I draw pictures. And in this one, I went back to an old one. And, 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 but last, uh, yesterday, I was going, just spending a lot of time going back over today's message. And I just began to highlight words over and over in different colors and make marks. And there's this one particular series of words that mean the same thing that I continued to, uh, to highlight. And that's what you saw, that green it was about what God's word is. God's word, he refers to it as the law. He refers to it as commands. He refers to it as the precepts. He refers to it as the statutes. He refers to it as many topics. And I just highlighted how many times in the 119th Psalm did the psalmist refer to the word of God? It is absolutely amazing. I, the only thing is I, I didn't count how many times he used it. He called it the promise. He called it the word. He called it the law. He called it the decrees. He called it the precepts. It was just over and over. I mean, God was trying to say, this is paramount. This is critical to your existence. Now, I want to uh, get you to just look quickly at Psalm 119, because I've got you there. I want you to look over at verse uh, 37. Look at Psalm 119, and we're going to be all over this today. And look at 37. And here's what verse 37 says. Turn my eyes from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. God, give me life. Grant me strength. Sustain me, but preserve me, God, according to your statutes, according to your decrees, according to your word, God. Bring it to pass. But Psalm 119.11, I want you to look there, because that's really the, the crux of the day. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Oh, God, do that for me today. Do that for my friends today. Teach us to hide your word in our hearts that somehow it'll come to mind and we won't sin against you. See, if you're not reading the word, if you're not studying the word, if you're not meditating on the word, which I'll speak about a lot today, then you don't know what God's word says. You don't know if you're violating it or not. You don't have a clue. So it might not seem very interesting. You might not understand it. Can, can I tell you something here? Here's 34 years later following Jesus. I still run into passages. I don't really get it. Seminary just didn't. I mean, you know, it's like going to a doctor and go, Doc, didn't you learn everything in medical school? Come on, lawyer. Don't you know everything about the law? And they would certainly say, no. I have principles. I've learned a lot. But I still have to study the particular case. And a lot of times there's just passages you ask me about, and just off the cuff, out of the overflow of my heart, Scripture comes, and I know. I know that I know, and as I continue to learn, I know and you know. But there's sometimes I go, hmm, I don't know. When I was young, I would blow smoke at people. I would try to convince them that I was more erudite than they thought, and I thought I had all the answers, and I should have all the answers because I had the word reverend, pastor in front of my name. I got over myself real quick, and I realized I don't know all the answers that you have. Don't you feel good about that? You know, I mean, that's just the truth. And, and, and some people, you know, I mean, that took maturity for me. 
Because I thought, well, what if they stump me? There, there's this thing that I've thought about doing many times over the years, and I've been, done a lot of arenas, and I've spoken in big venues and little venues and all kind of stuff, and I just don't even know, even though I've studied it for over three decades. I've, I've often thought about, what if I just had a screen or it came up, and you just stump the pastor and throw a question on the screen? It just ain't going to happen. I mean, we could, and I could probably answer the majority of them, but I figured... I mean, you know, there was this pastor one time, Don and I were watching him on TV, and he had the place packed with people, and it was so packed, they brought everybody down, and they set him on his, right at his feet. And I thought, well, it wouldn't work here, because I'd spit all over him, because bubbles fly everywhere. They'd be going, oh, gross, you know. At the same time, they had these laptops, and everybody was sitting there firing him off questions and stuff. But I do know a lot of things about God's Word, but so do you. And God's word is inexhaustible. You're never going to get it all. You're always going to be growing. And I'm trying to build a case this morning that you'll hide the word of God in your heart, that you don't sin against God. The blessings of the word. Psalm 119 refers to the word in all those ways I told you. The source of the word is eternal. This book is flawless. It is perfect. It is a shield. And it is eternal. And like, uh, here's one of the best illustrations I know. You've had a recent funeral, and you go out to the cemetery, and you see the grave, and you see the fresh flowers, and they're absolutely gorgeous. In the service preceding that, you looked at the flowers, and these sprays of flowers, they were phenomenal. And you take them out in this Alabama heat when it really gets hot this summer, but it didn't even have to be hot, and you disconnect them, and you get them out of air conditioning, you get them out of the right environment, and you can go back three hours or four hours or a day later, and they look pathetic. And the flowers fade, but the Word of God says the Word of God stands forever. The Word is beautiful. So this morning, I've got one goal, is that you would just begin to dig into the passages and just say, God, give me an appetite. You know, that's what, you know, that's what I can just talk about today? Get an appetite for God's Word. How many of us have an appetite for food? How many of you pray for an appetite for food? Oh, God, I just wish I would want to eat. Now, occasionally I run into somebody, and usually there's a health problem that goes along with that. Nobody's ever come to me and said, Pastor, you, you need to eat something. You need to keep your strength up. It just doesn't happen. Just look, at, hey, just look forward to it. But how about for this word? Oh, God, I want an appetite for you, Jesus, because you are the word. I want to know more of you. I want to study your word, but oh God, I want to do more than study and memorize and meditate. I want to obey it. Let's continue to go through here. So Psalm 119, public opinion shifts, but the truth, the word of God. Psalm 119, verse, one, verse 160. All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. They never change. God's word will stand every test of time. So anything I know that does that, we can't pick and choose. You know, that's happened in denominations. It's happened in the body. I, I wouldn't even necessarily maybe call it the body of Christ. I call it in religious circles. But when people begin to pick and choose that which they like, you're on a serious slope that's going downward. And the church said, and the church said, truth is absolute. Truth is eternal. We don't just, do, I mean, it'd be like, you know, I don't like that page. I'm going to take it out of my Bible. No. Don't mess with the Word of God. It stands eternal. Let's continue. It, it confronts our values. Sometimes the Word offends you and me, but it's supposed to. 
It confronts us in our sin. And it offends us because we're guilty. And last weekend, I'm so proud of you, church. I, I just I want to brag on you being obedient to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Jeff and I didn't know when we created that service. We, we sensed it would be powerful, and, we, and, and I really believe that people would go to the walls, and y'all went to the walls, and you stood near deep. And then I saw you at the altar, and the altar filled up, but I didn't know about the chair thing. I knew it was biblical. I knew I was building a case to be confessional. But I just didn't know if you had it in you, if you would do it. And I'm so proud of you as your pastor. Y'all came, and y'all came, and y'all responded. And you begin to stand deep for other people to get out of the chair so you could take your turn. And many of you got freedom last weekend. I just thank you that you responded to the Word of God. Let's fill in the first blank here. We all need a Word-filled life. I always tell people we're very worship-heavy, worship-centric, and we want to be Word-centric, Word-focused, Word-heavy. It's a treasure. In Psalm 119, look there in uh, verse 72 with me. The Word of God says, The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Lord, your Word is precious. Your Word is so valuable, I can't put a price on it, Father. And today people are dying for the gospel. They're dying to get the word of God translated to people all over the globe. And yet I could go to your homes and I would just ask you, is the word of God precious? Do you open it? Do you read it? Do you long for it like you do your favorite television show, your favorite sport, or your favorite thing to do in the kitchen to cook, or your favorite hobby? Do Do you long to be with Jesus? Just a good question. We need a word filled life. You know, Rick Warren, I like what he said. Somebody asked him, he says, Rick, what is the best translation of the Bible? And I want you to write this down. What's the best translation of the Bible? I'm going to give it to you today. And I'm not going to tell you the NLT or the NIV or the NAS and all those. And I'm not going to tell you that you've got to know Greek and Hebrew because that's the best translation. But he had, a, he had the best answer I've ever seen. He says, the best translation of the Bible, I want you to write it down, is when you and I translate the Word of God into our lives. When we translate God's word into our life and we begin to apply it and walk it out, that is the best translation there is. And then when somebody sees it and it aligns itself with the word of God and the word is a part of you, then they're like, man, they're transformed, they're pushed. We, we give God, if you would, permission. Now, you don't have to turn there, but let me just tell you a passage out of the book of Colossae. Out of Colossians, written at Colossae, Colossians 3.16. The Apostle Paul writing, and he says, Let the word of God, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And that's my prayer today. God, let your word dwell in us that we might not sin against you. God, fill us with your word. I'm just praying today, man, there are going to be some word people that are going to walk out of here, and you're going to get word focused, and you're going to get word centered, and you're going to get word crazy, and you're going to say, man, I just need the word because the word's perfect. And when, you, when I align and you align to the Word, I don't miss the mark ever. It's when I don't know the Word and I don't apply the Word and I don't let the Word translate and read me, that's when I sin and that's when you sin. So we read it. Let me tell you another thing about letting the Word of God dwell. I'll give you a real simple tip from reading the Bible. Read a verse over and over and over. Just read it over and over and over. Read it when you wake up. Look at it at noontime. Take a three o'clock break with a latte and read it again. Read it again at night. Read that same passage over and over and over. It's amazing how one, one word can make all the difference. Do I have a witness? Do I have a witness? One word. 
You're saying, well, you're telling us not to read one word. You're telling us to read passages. I am. But I'm amazed when I read it over and over and over, there's usually one word that'll jump out, sometimes one sentence, one phrase. Let me just keep going. I got a lot to say. But it's emphasizing, it's focusing. The other thing I write in here, use your memory muscle. Uh, abiding is, in his word means to remember. You know, we know what it is to lose uh, memory, to lose tone, lose muscle tone, it atrophies. And when we use our memory muscle, we begin to meditate and we abide, it has enormous uh, benefits. We resist temptations. We have the ability to begin to make wise decisions in our life. We build confidence. And it's just like the muscle. The more you use the memory muscle for God's word, the stronger it becomes. The more you... See, here, here's what I'm wondering today. How many of you would say you don't memorize very well? Raise your hand. Okay. And I would say some of us have been convinced by the enemy... Well, when I was young, I could do it really good. Look, hold on, hold on. Don't say yourself short. I would grant you you're not as sharp as you were when you were younger. And how it just sticks to us. But I would say this. If you really like music, how many of you can memorize music really quick, a song? You know all the words. Uh-huh. God's Word, if we read it, if we, sometimes we put the songs, if we, if we work on it, we can begin to grasp it. We can review it over and over. Oh, God, build us. Make us a word, church. I don't even know what that totally looks like, but God, the word stabilizes us. In Matthew 7, he says, the man built his house, and he built it on the sand, and it fell. But there was another one, Matthew 7, 24, and he built his house upon the rock, and the rock being Jesus, the rock being the word, and it stood strong against the storms of life. And I would say this, if you and I will build our lives according to this word, it is amazing what God will do. Anything can come to you. Anything can come against you, and you will not be destroyed. I'm not going to say you're always going to have it together. I'm not going to say you're always going to have just everything's going to be your way, but I'm going to say you can stand because God's word is eternal. It stabilizes, not against the culture. I want you to look at Psalm 119, verse 130. In the CEV, that's the contemporary English version, it says it this way. Understanding your word brings light to the minds of ordinary people. I like that because I'm very ordinary. And maybe some of you feel like, hey, I'm ordinary. And the light, the physical light, keeps you and me from running into obstacles that would be in our way or they would be and we would not know they were there and we would crash and the light illuminates our path. And God's word is referred to as a light. When you go back into Israel and you begin to see some of the things of when this psalm came out, they would have these light little wicks, these little things that would be on their feet and they would walk. And it would only cast enough light for the next step. But I know, you're just like me. When I want light, I want light for the whole room. I want light for my entire existence and my path of life. But God doesn't work that way. Sometimes God gives us a big picture like in this room and you can have a lot of light. But most of the time I found the Father gives me just enough light for the next step. And then the next step. And I'm just wondering this morning, has God given you light for the next step? And then if he has given you light for the next step, what are you doing with it? Well, Keith, I'm, I'm frozen. I'm sitting. I'm standing. I'm not doing anything with it. And somebody once said, a lot wiser than I, they said, hey, do the last thing God told you to do. And keep doing that until he tells you to do something else. So God, move us with you. And we begin to see Psalm 119.105. Your word is a lamp for my feet. It's a light for my path. God, illuminate the church of Jesus Christ. Illuminate Christ's community. 
It shows direction. Uh, we, but we do want the whole path lit up. Romans 15, 4. Let me give you a passage here. I love this. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide that we might have hope. You know, that's one of the things God's word does for me. Gives me hope. Gives me hope for my journey. Gives me hope for tomorrow. But gives me hope today. Gives me hope for right now. Do I sit around any people? Do I stand among people that need hope? Three of you, raise your hand. Okay, good. Now, I, I learned this new line from Matt Bostic's friend that came to do our Cleveland outreach, uh, Cleveland Court outreach this week. It was really a great day on Tuesday. He spoke to the men, 525. He spoke to church around the barrel at lunch. And he had this expression, and I was just kind of laughing. I, I don't think I'm going to adopt it. Don't worry. But he go, hey, let me see some hands. Let me see some hands. He must have said that 300 times the other day. And I finally, I just held my hand up. Like, okay, brother, you see my hands, don't you? And so I'm not going to ask you, like, hey, let me see some hands. But sometimes I will. And so just respond if, if you feel the need. Okay. Uh, thinking on the word, meditating. L let's look at this next point here. The thoughts that we enter into our minds become the thoughts that guide our lives. That which we let enter in and filtrate and become a part of us, that really shapes our life. That really becomes who we are. That really gives us guidance. And if I feed my mind with things of this world, then that really is the direction, the worldly uh, advice the worldly steps that I'm going to adhere to, I'm going to walk after. And God wants to guide our steps this morning. And in Proverbs 23 and 7, it says, For as a person thinks within himself, so is he. So that which I think on, that's what I am. And if I think on the Word, if I think on the precepts of the God Almighty, that's who I become following Christ. But if I dwell on the things of this world and the things of the flesh, that's what I entertain. That's what I become. It's what I read in the magazine. It's what I saw on TV. It guides my life. But Psalm 119.11, Lord, I've hidden your word in my heart because I don't want to sin against you. I was reading some articles this week about uh, the six-year-old. And, and I'm always amazed and intrigued with kids how they can just soak up stuff so fast. And this six-year-old had memorized the whole Koran by the age of six, because it was important to him. And I thought, how about us as Christ followers? Have we memorized a verse lately, this year? Have we memorized uh, two verses this year? Have we memorized a chapter this year? Let me go ahead and just make a confession. This is part two of confession. I used to do a lot of memory work. Honestly, I've gotten lazy on memorizing. I study all the time. I've read the scriptures like I've never read the last 16 years of being the pastor of this church. But I've been a little slack. No, I've been very slack, very negligent on my memory work. And I'm just asking you, as I ask you, as we consider to challenge one another, how many of you would consider beginning to do more memory work from this day forward and hiding God's word in your heart? It is called work. It's, it's going to call memory work. Work's in there for a reason. It's going to take something. But a kid, they, they can do it fast. We, our elder, one of our elders, his little girl, Neva, she has, she has a really good mind. And she has a mind for Christ. And I don't know how many scriptures she's already memorized, but it's unbelievable. She's, she gets so excited when she runs up to me and tells me new verses. She's just hiding God's word in her heart. And I thought, wouldn't that be cool if adults just ran up to each other and said, hey, man, what verse did you learn this week? And what verse did you learn? And you feel like, if they just asked me, what verse did I learn this year? And some of you would go, I got one, Jesus wept. That doesn't count. 
think it's John 11, 35 or thereabout. I mean, Jesus wept. I could probably teach a baby John eleven thirty five. 35. But God, begin to build this in us, God. Begin to shape us. Memorizing the Word, it's wonderful. And as wonderful as it is, I just don't want us to walk around quoting verses, but we never do it. We never become of what it says. We never obey it. We just quote it. There is a danger that we could just be these legalistic people that just memorize the Word, and that wouldn't be very much fun either. But if we begin people of the Word that memorize and hit His Word in our heart, and we begin to relate it to other people, and it began to translate into our lives, and we did it with grace and compassion and humility, there might be a revival in our midst. What do you think? Just a possibility. Biblical meditation means filling your mind with what God has revealed through His Word. Meditation. I've studied this a lot this week as I went back through it. Look at Psalm 119, 148. Go there with me. In 148, the psalmist says this to you and I. My eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. He wanted to be a man that knew God's word and and through the night watch. In Psalm 119, Look at um, verse 15. I meditate on your precepts and I consider your ways. I started looking at the word meditate. It was all through Psalm 119. In other words, I think God was trying to say, I want my church to meditate on my word. Um, you know, here's the thing. You, you, you can begin to learn Proverbs and you can memorize Proverbs and they're good. If you, if you learn the Proverbs, you're going to be wise. But they're principles. They're not promises of God's word. They're principles. And if you do them exactly and you, you try to do what it says, I mean, that's good and you're going to live a better life, but life still could go south. They're, they're not necessarily promises of God, but they're, they're important. But there's six questions I want you to write down somewhere. We left you some room at the bottom today. Six questions to ask whenever you read the Bible to help you meditate. Number one, is there a promise to claim? When you read Scripture, ask yourself, is there a promise for me to know? Is there a promise for me to claim? Is there a promise that I need to hold on to? Number one. The second question is this, is there a lesson to learn? Is there something I can learn from these men and women that fell into sin or fell off or didn't hear the voice of God or they did obey God quickly or they did something? There's a promise to claim. There's a lesson to learn. The third thing, is there a blessing to enjoy? Those are fun. You study God's word and you find out, is there a blessing that God wants his children to enjoy according to his word that's eternal? The fourth thing, is there a command to obey? There are a lot of commands in the Word of God. And there might be some commands that God's trying to teach you and me this week, this month, this summer. God, is there a command to obey? The fifth thing, is there a sin to avoid? Is there a sin, something that I know or I know of or I'm being tempted to, I'm being drawn to, and it's clearly sin, it's clearly what Christ died for, and I know I need to avoid that? I don't know about you, but I I, I deal with temptations every day just like you. And I have a sin nature, but I want to say greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loves me and gave his life for me. Amen? And I can conquer that sin in the power of Christ. And look at the sixth one. Is there a new thought to carry with me? When you begin to meditate on the Word, God, is there a new thought pattern that you want to give me? You know, here's what I'd say to us. God, your word says, Father, your word says, when you're praying, do you know God's word? Are you familiar with it enough that you can say, God, your word says this, and you go after it? God, your word says this. 
and you pray it back to him. Father, your word says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Father, your word says, I am the salt of the earth. Your word says that I'm a citizen of the most high God, that I'm a uh, co... Uh, I'm trying to think of the word. Huh? Yeah, thank you. A co-heir with Jesus Christ. And oh, no, no, I'm just thinking of all these promises. They're just, you know, although I had a little lapse on that one. Uh, but you, you just... Uh, Go, God, what is, what is your word saying to me? God, that's the promise. God, I know it. Lord, your word says. I know this. When I find a word, because let's just be real. How many of you believe we have an enemy? How many of you believe Satan wants to destroy your soul? How many of you think Satan wants to lie to you? And he wants to beat you up? And he wants to put you down? Do you know how many times I do not want to walk out here on this stage? I don't feel worthy. Worthy is the lamb. But I'm going to tell you, man, there's many times when the devil can beat me so up and, man, I can just get depressed and discouraged and just go in a funk and just want to just park it. But i got to rise up because I'm a man of God. And I do, and I want to be sincere, and I want to be genuine, but then i got to go, God, but your word says. And I want to live according to your word. And I don't want to stray from your commands, Father. And then you begin to rise up in the strength of Jesus Christ. I'm hoping this morning God is getting a hold of your heart and mind like he is this week trying to teach us about the power of meditations. In Psalm 119, verse 48, I lift up my hands to your commands, which I love, and I meditate on your decrees. Man, this week, I hope you'll go back over this Psalm 119 because I'm not able to do it the full justice. And I hope you'll begin to see the power of the word. In Luke 2, it's a Christmas story. I'm not going to read it for you. But in verse 19, there's a word. It's not a word we use anymore, but it's a great word. It says, but Mary treasured all these things, and she pondered them in my heart, in her heart. Pondering. I was pondering lately. It's not a word we usually use a lot in English anymore, is it? It really means she was meditating on the Word of God. It takes time to meditate. I was listening to a thing by Robert Morris out of Gateway Church in Texas, great pastor. And he talked about when we meditate on God's Word, we put ourselves in a position for miracles and supernatural happenings. And I don't know about you, that's the church I'm inviting us to be a part of, that we want the miracles and the supernatural work of God. And the church said, I don't want a church that just thinks about God or just has the stories of God. I want a church that walks in the power of God. So, God, we begin to meditate. I love here, it says God's word is seed. And when we, hide, when we put God's word in our hearts, it will produce a fold, 30, 60, 100 fold. God's word is alive according to Hebrews. And it's living and powerful and sharper than any double-edged sword. That's his word. But God's word is, you can't miss this. God's word is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, was with God. The Word was God. Jesus holds all things together by the authority of his name and his Word. And I'm just hoping God teaches us to meditate upon you and that we are determined that we want more of your Word because here's what happen, happens. When you and I get more of the Word of God in us, we have more of Jesus. John 3.30, he must increase, I must decrease. 
Jesus, I, I want more of you. So what does that mean? In Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, do not let this book of the law depart from you. Meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do that which is written, uh, everything written in it. And then, and only then, will you be prosperous and successful. How many people in this room want to be prosperous and successful? I do, according to God's word. But there's a prerequisite. You have to do what? You have to meditate. You have to chew on his word. I won't get all into it, but there's another word for chew. Uh, a, a great synonym would be ruminate. Rumination. Isn't that a great word? And the cow, the cow knows all about ruminating. And I won't do too much of the analogy. I did it before, and it kind of grossed a few of you out. But as that cow continues to chew on the cud, and it finally gets through all the digestive system, it takes it down, then it burps, and it starts again. Isn't that gross? They regurgitate and they just continue to chew it and chew it and chew it. But the psalmist would tell you and me today, ruminate on God's word. Chew it and chew it and chew it and chew it some more and spit it out and take it back in. Spit it back out and take it in. Let it become such a part that it will strengthen and nourish your body. But you have to have a place. Psalm 119 verse 97, listen to the word. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. And the psalmist was serious about his pursuit of God and um, Deuteronomy 17, 19. He should keep it with him all the time and read from it every day of his life. God, make us a people that love your word. Just make us a people that love the word. Do that however you see fit. And then I'll get you to this. Remember the word with your heart. I don't know if I fill that in, but remember the word in your heart. Hide it in your heart. Remember it with your heart. And then our response to the word will determine our relationship with the Lord. Our response to his word will determine the relationship we have with Jesus. So if your relationship's not real strong this morning, it might be that you've checked out on the word. So I'm just calling us back to be word-focused, assimilating the word in our life, praying over the word, memorizing the word, practicing the word, proclaiming the word. Let me, let me give you this, Psalm 119, look at verse 13. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. They proclaimed it. Look at verse 46. I will speak of your statutes before kings and will not be put to shame. Psalm 119, uh, verse 172. Look at this one. May my tongue sing of your word, for all your commands are righteous. Can I just tell you, it's the most blessed sound today to hear y'all flipping those pages of Scripture. Oh, man, it just makes a preacher happy. There, there, there's something beautiful about turning God's word. I know some of you are like, Pastor, now, I'm a cool Christian, and I got my smartphone, and you can't hear it flipping. Okay, I got a smartphone. I don't really like to read the word on it, but that's cool. And, and I watch some of you, you know, y'all pick it up, you know, and y'all be, be doing this. I used to think y'all were just texting each other like, I wish he'd hurry up and finish so we could go to lunch. Where are you going to lunch? And you're sending all kinds of messages. And I want you to know we have this special software. I know everything that you're doing on your phones. And, and many of you need to confess. <laughs> but some of you are in the Word of God. Uh, we were with a friend several months ago and uh, not long ago with him again. He said, Keith, have you, have you started that thing at Christ Community? They were very active here, Chris and Jessica Mars. And they go to this church now, and they have all the sermon notes on their phone. And it's some kind of app. And so everybody's just sitting around with their phones and they're listening to the preacher and they're taking all their notes and then they email it to themselves and it's all nice and neat. And I'm thinking, that's cool. Just hadn't done it yet. 
And some of you are like, well, just keep giving us a sheet of paper. Okay. But God, help us to love your word. Your word is a source of joy. I would say this as the band comes. Be word-centric, be word-saturated. God, help me and my friends to love your word, oh God, that we won't sin against you. Help us to love the joy of you. The word is a source of joy. According to Psalm 119, look at verse 111. Listen to the word of God. This is so fun just looking at these verses today. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. That's what the psalmist would remind you and me this morning. When we hide God's word, it's joy. Psalm 119, verse uh, four, uh, 114 in the message. Your word says, you're my place of quiet retreat, and I'll wait for the Lord to renew me. You know, that's what I'm praying God's doing today, is that he's going to renew you and me according to his word. Father, bring this word to pass in our lives. Make this word a part of who we are. Read us by the authority of your word and help us to begin to study and read and meditate and chew and reflect and memorize and walk in the statutes of Jesus. Because I've told you this many times. I've got one desire for you, two desires. Number one, to know Jesus Christ. Secondly, to get you home with joy. To get you into your eternal home with the joy of the Lord. Father, thank you for the living word.